Welcome to 7 Skills for the Future podcast. My name is Emma Sue Prince and this podcast is based on the internationally selling book by the same name. This book focuses on seven important skills. They are adaptability, critical thinking, empathy, integrity, being proactive, being optimistic and being resilient. And this podcast is all about how you can bring these skills into your everyday life so that you are living a life full of happiness, full of purpose, great relationships, doing work that you love and just really getting the most out of life. Welcome back to Seven Skills for the Future podcast. I am delighted to have two very special guests with us today, Laura Rosenberger and Laura Richards from Lalo. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having us. Great to have you. So could you start by telling our listeners what you do? What is your business? Absolutely. So we create luxury boxed wines, um, which... Uh, we source from the best winemakers all around Europe. Um, we wrap them up in boxes that you can feel genuinely proud to have out on your, your countertop or, your, or at your dinner party. Um, and each of those is far kinder to the planet. So it generates 90% less carbon than glass bottles um, and is 100% recyclable. Love it. Um, I do enjoy a glass of wine. Um, I actually, this is an unknown fact about me, but I actually have got a diploma in wine, <laughs> which I did, which I did years ago. And uh, so I do like a glass of wine. What's interesting about this is that when one usually thinks of boxed wine, there's a certain kind of image that goes with that. So, and, and what you're doing is something completely different, aren't you really? Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of fair enough that boxed wine has a, a bad image because if you think back to kind of student house parties and then, yeah. yeah, so we all remember um, boxed wines from the, the 80s and 90s, which would taste like vinegar because it had oxidized very quickly. Well, the kind of technology that we use today is so different and it means you can put like genuinely amazing wines. And if you love a glass of wine, like, like you said, um, it stays fresh for six weeks from opening. So you can have a, have a lovely glass. Something that Nora and I both love a midweek glass. Yeah. Wow. And how did you come up with the name Lalo? Hmm, Yeah. Good question. So, um, we, well, we first had the idea for this business in July, 2020, um, and we were keen to test the idea in real life as quickly as we could. Um, and we actually found a winemaker who wanted to work with us pretty much straight away. And we thought, okay, if we get cracking on this quickly, we can have a wine live by Christmas. Um, and we, in order to get the wine in the country, we needed a VAT number. And in order to get a VAT number, we needed like to, to register the company and to do all these things. So it meant that we needed to find a name as quickly as possible. So we spent about two weeks testing I don't know. We, we literally had like hundreds of names on the list. And um, I think we got it down to about two in the end. Um, and the other one, there was like no URL available. There was no copyright. Um, yes. It just, it just wouldn't have worked. So we kind of landed on Lalo um, because every other name seemed to be taken, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we were sort of thinking about the idea of like, you know, enjoying a glass of wine at home. This was during lockdowns as well. And we thought, you know, what's better than just like, you know, being at home, you know, laying low on the sofa with a, a glass of wine. So it was kind of riffing off that idea. But um, yeah, de- definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
That does work, though, doesn't it? Lay low. That does actually work, laying low on the sofa, the glass of wine. <laughs> and I love how you're describing the packaging and that you can actually have a glass of wine and then, you don't, you know, it lasts for six weeks. I mean, that's completely different to wine in a bottle, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So the design of a wine bottle hasn't changed in 200 years, um, which is absolutely crazy. And there's just so many disadvantages. So as you say, once you open it, you have to drink it within a couple of days and there's definitely a, a trend of drinking less, but drinking better. Um, and when you have a, a bottle of wine, you know, you either have to drink it or it goes down the sink, which is silly when there's um, an, another alternative right there. Um, but, you know, being glass bottles as well, they need so much packaging around them so they don't break in the post. Um, they're really hard to um, you know, stack efficiently when they're shipping and they're very heavy, which is very energy intensive and bad for the environment. Um, you know, we kind of came up with this idea because we realized that there's so many problems in the wine industry and you know, wine not being suited to modern consumers and boxed wine, despite being something that you know, feels like a bit of a blast from the past, is actually the perfect solution. Um, so it felt like a no-brainer for us to um, you know, reinvigorate it and, and make it you know, modern and, and great and cool. Yeah, yeah. And um, so nobody else is doing this? No, so there's there's boxed wines out there, and often those wines would be you know low, lower quality. So we've all seen those on the bottom shelf in the supermarket. Um, there are a few people who um, are putting more interesting wines um, into boxes, you know, particularly in in other countries, so in the US and then in France. Um, but in terms of creating something that you can feel like you could sit it would sit pride of place um in your like on your dinner table you know no one's no one's thought to do this so far so it is Mm. unique yeah and so you came up with this idea um in in 2020 what were you guys doing before that yeah so it was actually um a really serendipitous uh, moment. So we had both been working um, as freelance consultants. Um, we met when we were colleagues at Naked Wines um, and had subsequently left that business and were, were working for lots of really cool wine brands. Um, but we'd both independently uh, thought, well, you know, what if we did our own thing? What would that look like? Um, and it was only when Laura sent me a text message, um, it sounds like marketing spin, it's genuinely not, um, that she said, you know, I've had this idea, um, I'd love to run it past you. And I, I said, of course, what, what is it? And she said, it's boxed wine. I think that boxed wine is the future. And, you know, I had to screenshot my own work and, and say to her, you know, I've had exactly the same idea. And because we both come at things from from different angles, because we you know we work brilliantly together because we're really you know yin and yang we have different skill sets so the Mm -hmm. fact that Laura had 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 this idea too really was the kind of validation certainly from my point that I needed that it Mm -hmm. was was a good one um so we met up in her garden socially distanced as it was 2020 um and we um compared notes and what was so so cool was that Laura had focused on the operational side of the business how we would actually you know create this I'd given more thought to the kind of marketing side of it so it really all slotted together quite nicely Mm. um and I think if that text message you know hadn't landed in my whatsapp um you know back in that summer I'm not not sure it would have would have happened because it was yeah just what we needed to um, yeah bravery and and momentum to to go for it 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point because so often in the past I've thought, oh, I've got this business idea and I'll start sort of planning it out and then it, it just didn't quite happen. Um, and the difference with doing this with a co-founder and someone that I've worked with before and, you know, is a really good friend and who has complementary skills has just been a total game changer. And it, it very much felt like a kind of business from day one because we were used yeah. to working together um yeah I, I think sort of having a co-founder to do this with has mm. I wouldn't have been able to do it on my own for sure yeah same and, it's, and it sounds like you're working to your strengths as well which is so important yeah when there's so much to do and you know my experience of of the startup journey so far is that there's always you know a million things that you could choose to do and the, the name of the game is focusing on what what really matters but when you've got two people who are able to focus on different areas of the business it really makes you know huge Mm -hmm. huge difference and it's just more enjoyable you know focusing on the things you love every day versus you know working hard to do the side you know side of the business that you don't find enjoyable Mm -hmm. it's a real privilege if you sort of think think back to to when you started and where you are now what have been some of the obstacles perhaps that you've had to overcome (laughs) <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> obstacles I was I was joking um yesterday because uh yet another obstacle um made itself apparent on Friday and um I was laughing because in 2020 uh, 2021 last year um my catchphrase was oh I didn't see that coming because so often there would be a challenge and it would come out of nowhere and you just think you know we've got this we know what we're doing all is okay and then a challenge would, would come out of nowhere and um you know take you out so um yeah definitely plenty of challenges um and I guess you just have to learn to live with that and know that especially in a startup business but it's true of any business there's always mm-hmm. going to be challenges and you've just got to roll with the punches and and do the best you can so can you give can you give us some examples of maybe some of the biggest challenges and how you overcame them and what you did yeah, so um, I guess picking this up from an operational perspective, uh, Brexit has definitely made life a bit harder. Um, so especially importing a, you know, wine, which has its own complications, supply chains just in general are much more complicated than they were a few years ago as everyone's figuring out what Mm. the new rules are. Um, There's been all the sorts of challenges before Christmas with the petrol crisis and COVID restrictions had had made that all more difficult. Um, So that's definitely been a a pretty big challenge, especially as a small business when you don't Mm -hmm. have that sort of big power of being a a big name with big contracts. We've just had to rely on building good relationships and getting people on side and helping them help us. Mm. I mean, it sounds like as well with with some of this, and maybe that's the case for lots of businesses and for individuals, that some of these things are just an unknown. You, you, you know that there's it's going to be an impact, but you don't necessarily know uh, what the impact will be or what you're going to have to do to handle it and manage it. So, uh, But it sounds like you've found ways to just keep moving forward, keep kind of pushing yourself for, yourselves forward. Yeah, you have to. And it's been quite a good learning, um, learning how to handle that emotionally, because when you are in a big company and you've got expertise and you've got lots of people with varied experiences around you that you can go to for support to being a tiny business where it's just us, um, you 
yeah, you, you have to adapt and, and learn to get used to the discomfort. So I think that's been a huge learning for me. Um, mm. Yeah. And I think something you said earlier, Laura, like is, is spot on, which is building relationships and, and making sure that you invest time in not only sort of binary relationships with people you do x i do y actually getting to know them and you know those relationships we've built with some of our suppliers have been so important when things have gone a bit wrong you know being able to pull in a favor if you're not the biggest business around is is really valuable so i'm glad that we invested that time in in Mm. a softer side Mm. what would you say you've learned about yourselves as people and entrepreneurs Mm, I mean, I I think that I've discovered I'm more resilient than I thought I was. Um, I you know I've always loved my work and and I've loved my jobs, but I have also kind of you know let those things sometimes you get get a bit on top of me, get get a bit stressed. But actually, you know, with launching your own business, you have to become thick skinned. You have to, as Laura said, you know, roll with the punches. Um, so I think, you know, launching a business in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> when all of the rules about importing wine were just about to change, mm-hmm. you know, with no visibility really on when everything was going to go back to normal, um, it, you know, was probably, it definitely wasn't something I thought was going to happen in my life. And I'm so, I'm so glad that it did. And, and learning to live with that, you know, normal chaos has been something mm. I'll carry with me. Yes, very valuable, I think. Really, really, really valuable. And so it's just the two of you, the two Lauras. Do you have any staff? Are you taking on staff? Yeah, so we have um, one full-time team member, uh, the lovely Martha, who joined us um, almost a year ago now. So she joined us um, first job out of university um, and has been, you know, our right-hand woman as we've done um, you know, as we've built this business, um, we are hiring. So um, we have huge plans for the next couple of years. So um, we're hiring across the entire business from ops to, to marketing, um, which is really exciting because, you know, we've reached a point where it's just not possible for us to do everything amongst the three of us. Mm. So do you have um, premises where you work from? How do you, how does it sort of work, practically speaking? Um, So when we started the business, it was like full on lockdown. So we uh, were kind of remote first. Even when we hired Martha, you know, all of those interview processes were virtual. For the first few weeks, it was totally virtual. So it's been quite interesting building a business that was remote first rather than um, Mm. trying to adapt to it to being remote from being in an office since everything's opened up a little bit more we work together a day a week in London which is great Um, definitely my favorite day of the week Mm. to see everyone face to face and that's when we have a lot of our kind of fun creative meetings when we're together Um, but it's also nice to have those other days where we can choose where we we want to work from whether that's Mm -hmm. at home co-working spaces closer to home um to get that space to get things done without distraction Mm. it's funny because actually um while logistically it is much easier to work from home particularly if you've got young children um you need to do the school run it, it means you don't commute I think it's really also made me value how much 
um, I enjoy the kind of human interaction of, you know, having colleagues and, and being able to have a meeting where you can throw ideas around in a really mm-hmm. seamless way. Mm-hmm. So I think I've probably come full circle, first enjoying that remote working, but then, you know, actually craving that that human, yes. human interaction. Yes, yes. So tell us about your plans. What are you planning? You're, you're going to be hiring um, across all parts of the business. What are you planning? What's, what's, what's ahead for you? Mm-hmm. So last year was our first full year as a business and we'd gone from having one wine to having a range of six wines. And we learned so much over the course of the year around how people want to drink wine at home, what they think about our products, how we can reach those people, about supply chains and warehouses and and all that kind of thing. So we've had a year of learning. And now we're at a point where we're fundraising that will help us hire, help us spend on marketing, help us build out this range. So it's taking everything we've learned from last year and then this year being able to totally accelerate that. So, um, yeah, growing the business in the UK and and getting the team and the wines in place um, to do Mm -hmm. that is number one priority. Beyond that, we have exciting plans to expand internationally. So what's really interesting about boxed wine is, although it's not a big part of the UK market at the moment, it's actually huge in other countries. So in Sweden, it's 70% of the market. In France, it's something like 30%. Mm. It's big in the US as well. So you see a huge opportunity to move internationally in the next couple of years. So are you looking for investment at the moment? Yes. Yeah, we're partway through a fundraising process, which mm. has been uh, really exciting, um, but also really intense. And mm. I think we're looking forward to getting that done and dusted and, and getting back yes. to the business. So does that fundraising mean that you will be, you will have new partners in the business, stakeholders in the business? How will it work? Um, so, yeah, we're doing um, an equity fundraise. So we'll be um, bringing on some new shareholders, which is exciting. We did a small fundraise earlier last year um, and we were very intentional about the investors that we brought on board. We have expertise from the wine industry, from D2C, um, some seasoned investors who've seen companies through fundraising cycles and, and exits. Um, we wanted to have a suite of people who are all invested in the success of Lalo um, so that we can go to them for advice, ask them for introductions because they all have brilliant networks. Um, yeah, there's definitely a whole bunch of advantages from being very intentional about the investors that you're bringing into your business. I mean, listening to you describe that, I just keep thinking of Dragon's Den and <laughs> going out and pitching for investment. Is it? Is it? Is that what it's like or not? Uh, <laughs> I think it's probably um, a, a bit more um, casual than Dragon's Den might have you believe. You know, we we um, do have a, a pitch deck and we do have you know materials to share, and we could certainly, I think. Uh, withstand a grilling from from Stephen Bartlett if we needed to but actually the conversations so far have been you know really um interesting you know people interested in what we're doing interested in how it came about um and yeah people have specific questions but I suppose when you're living and breathing the business every day it's actually quite nice when someone does ask you to kind of Mm. draw on that draw on that knowledge um but yeah, I'd say I'd say it's a, a less intense um, <laughs> process than the TV might have you believe. 
Yes. Yeah. And and how easy or how difficult has it been to get funding? So we're midway through the raise, um, and I definitely wouldn't want to jinx that. Um, what has been really interesting to learn um, is uh, how difficult it can be for female founders to get get investment. And, you know, the statistics certainly suggest that, that it's harder for a female founder. Um, we have been so fortunate in the people that we've met through our careers to date um, and the investors that we've brought mm-hmm. on board so far who have been, you know, really, really supportive of us. Um, but undoubtedly, you know, going into the market as a, as a female founder, I think does does bring challenges. Um, and um, I, I think that there are, it's notable that a lot of the people we speak to are, are, are men. So it'd be really interesting mm. to see where we end up with on our, on our raise and what, what our investors look like. Yes, yes. And I think, you know, as you say, you have got a lot of really valuable connections and you, you, you're really thinking about the kind of investor you want and what they bring and all of those things, mm. which I think is, is, is great. Something that I hadn't realised um, that I think is really important is um, through your career, you do meet a lot of people, particularly if you do, you know, if you have several different jobs or, you know, I worked as a management consultant, so we'd work on projects with different people. Um, and it's amazing how supportive those people that that we've met along the way have been, you know, several of our investors are people that we've worked with or worked Mm. for people we've, we've done projects for. Um, And it really does feel like all of that time that you spend on building great relationships, on keeping in touch with people, Mm. on following and celebrating their successes. um, You know, that is, that is time well spent, not just because it's the, you know, because you get money, (laughs) because you get investment, but, but actually because it, you build a kind of support network of people who are really cheerleading for you. Um, yes. And I'm so grateful to have that. Yes, I think that's, I think that's absolutely, absolutely right. And um, everything is about the relationships we build ultimately, you know, the relationships that we nurture, um, the ones that we create, um, the ones that we, you know, keep building on and, and, and connecting with. So for sure, it makes a big difference. Our listeners who are from all over the world. Um, if they are thinking about maybe starting something new or doing something differently, what would be your top tip? I think for me, you have to 100% believe in what you're doing. If you've got a niggling doubt about it, then it's probably not the right business because you know there'll be brilliant days, but there will also be really challenging days. Um, and so much of of building a business is getting other people to to believe so you know i don't think i set out to start a business or be an entrepreneur i just really happened to believe in this business and this idea and was willing to um take a risk leave a steady job um to to see it through so yeah but believing in what you're doing I think it sounds obvious but I'm sure there's lots of people out there who do have a a niggling niggling doubt Mm. Mm. thank you and Laura 100% agree agree with that um I think you know on top of what I was saying earlier about 
kind of finding someone to do this with because that has helped me an infinite amount. Um, I think when I, when I sort of compare this to the projects that I've started in the past that I thought would be a business but just kind of fizzled out, um, looking back, I think it's because I didn't necessarily see them as a business. Like they started off as projects, whereas with this, up front we had to invest money because we needed to pay for the wine to be made. Um, yep. We had to do all the legalities of setting up a company and being VAT registered because we needed to do that for the import. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing this with someone who I worked with before. Um, so immediately it kind of felt, it had that kind of like colleague feel, mm-hmm. um, even though, you know, obviously we'd gone from being colleagues to, to being friends and then back to colleagues again. Um, I think, you know, in my mind, right from the start, this was a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if this had started off as, you know, just a, a kind of, project um maybe I wouldn't have sort of committed to the extent that I had to in order Mm. to you know to get to where we are today Mm. commitment and passion (laughs) basically that's what that's what you're saying thank you I want to thank you both so much for coming onto the podcast um today um if our listeners want to know more about your wine and where they can buy your wine can you just tell us Mm. how they can find you and social media handles as well Yep. So um, our wine is available um, online um, with next day delivery. So uh, just head to our website, which is drinklalo, so D-R-I-N-K-L-A-Y-L-O.com. And we're on Instagram at drinklalo. Great. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on our podcast today. It's been wonderful to meet you and wonderful to hear your story. Thank you. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast player or on YouTube. And if you can leave us a positive review, we really appreciate it. If you want more support, tips and ideas to strengthen these skills, go to the website unimenta.com where you can take part in live masterclasses, self-access online modules and download lots of free resources. Get the book, Seven Skills for the Future, in all major bookstores and on Amazon. And why not get yourself a copy of the 777 Journal to transform your life in just seven weeks through daily journaling practice.